It's hard, isn't it, to have a normal conversation about Jesus? Actually, it's, it's just hard to have normal conversations in general sometimes, isn't it? So uh, I thought I'd better do some research and uh, bring the big guns. So uh, I've found uh, Dr. Shauna Waters. She's going to help us. She's a PhD in psychology and a leadership coach, and she teaches people how to have normal conversations. So this is great. She's going to help us have normal conversations about Jesus. So Dr. Waters says that to succeed at conversation, you should avoid controversial topics like religion. Oh, so to have a normal conversation about Jesus, just don't talk about Jesus at all. That's bold advice, I think. And uh, do you think she's right? Maybe we should just avoid Jesus altogether and talk about tractors or horses or whatever it is that you're interested in and then we can all go home happy and unoffended and I've, that's what the new testament says as well isn't it that the apostle paul says don't bother talking about jesus doesn't he and the apostle peter says ah you're better off talking about the weather oh, no that's not what they say sometimes i wish that they did say that but no instead they tell us to speak about jesus and if the New Testament tells us to speak about Jesus, then just maybe it might be possible to actually have a normal conversation about him. And uh, so what we'll see today as we um, uh, dig for gold in Colossians and 1 Peter is that followers of Jesus will have normal conversations about Jesus when we live lives worth questioning and offer answers worth hearing. And that will be our outline as well today. Lives worth questioning and answers worth hearing. It's a sentence straight out of John Dixon's book, Promoting the Gospel. So, number one, lives worth questioning. And it seems to me that uh, the, the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles that we face when we think about having a normal conversation about Jesus is, is our question, well, how do I bring up Jesus in conversation anyway? you feel that you have this feeling it's weird isn't it it's weird to bring up something controversial it's super weird to bring up something supernatural that's just not how normal conversations kind of normally go but also that's not how normal conversations work in the first place how do normal conversations start normally with a question how you going uh, what did you get up to yesterday how was your holiday Conversations don't start with awkward Jesus segues, they start with questions. And so the key to having normal conversations about Jesus is to live lives worth being questioned. Both uh, Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter, they seem to envision normal conversations about Jesus starting with questions about Jesus. So they both pictured Christians speaking answers to questions. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, the Apostle Paul says, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Answer. And the Apostle Peter in chapter 3, verse 15, do, uh, um, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. As Paul and Peter envision Christians speaking about Jesus, they're they're picturing normal conversations where someone asks you a question about Jesus and you give an answer. Uh, this is how normal conversations work after all, isn't it? We, we ask questions about things that people are passionate about. If I know that you're passionate about tractors, I'll be asking you about tractors. And the scripture suggests that people 
around us should be able to perceive that we are interested in the Lord Jesus. And they'll probably ask about that. And in normal conversation, we should be able to give an answer. Now, there are two kinds of answers that we could give. Uh, first, Paul in Colossians tells us to be ready to reply to a question or give a response to a statement. Hey, this is a normal kind of answer to a normal kind of question. Uh, your colleague might ask you, why do you go to church? A normal question, and you should be able to give a normal answer to that. How would you answer that question? Why do you go to church? Normal conversations like this really happen all the time. And uh, just as we can easily talk about things that we are passionate about, so I think we should be able to talk about, uh, uh, we should be able to explain ourselves and answer each person's question. Normal question, normal answer. That's the first type of answer. The second type of answer we could give is the kind that the Apostle Peter is thinking of in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. And this second type of answer is a kind of a defence or uh, a response to a criticism or an accusation. So some translations of, of 1 Peter chapter 3, you might have give a defence, but my translation, 1 Peter 3.15, uh, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Uh, 1 Peter, we did 1 Peter a few months ago in St Aidan's, so I'll remind you of the context that uh, 1 Peter is addressed to Christians who are suffering, who are socially ostracised, Christians who are not uh, at home in the Roman Empire. They're criticised for not worshipping the Roman gods. They are slandered, we find in chapter 4, they're slandered for not joining the pagans in wild living. They are called uh, anti-social, anti-religion, anti-everything that we stand for. And Peter tells them to be ready to defend their beliefs and their behaviour against slander and against attack. And this seems to be a normal conversation for them. And it can be a normal conversation for us as well today sometimes because uh, people don't always follow the rules and avoid controversial topics. People do sometimes ask about controversial topics. And there are lots of positions that Christians tend to hold today that are not really um, agreed with by a lot of people in our community. You probably have lots of opportunities to defend what you believe about a whole bunch of stuff. There's only so long, isn't there, that you can, hold, you can avoid a topic um, until someone at the office asks that awkward question. Hey, you're a Christian, aren't you? What do you think about such and such? And the scriptures here encourage you to be ready to defend from the scriptures using reason your view that, uh, that is, is probably different to our cultural orthodoxy. How are you going to do that? So two different kinds of answers. Normal answers to normal questions and a defense of the faith. And there are also two kinds of questions as well. And it's worth trying to work out exactly what is being asked because some questions are head questions, intellectual questions. How could a good God allow suffering? But some questions are emotional questions, they're heart questions. How could God let me suffer like this? And to know what kind of answer to give, you need to know what kind of question is being asked. Your goal in answering the first question, the head question, that might be a 
a defence of the faith that you might need to give. But your goal in answering someone who's asking a heart question, well, I think that would be a very different response. And maybe they just need a friend to listen and to empathise. To know what kind of answer to give, you need to know what kind of question is being asked. But even still, isn't the prospect of these kind of conversations, isn't it terrifying? No one wants to live lives worth questioning lest you be questioned. I don't want to be questioned because these conversations are terrifying. But they don't have to be. They don't have to be because you can prepare for these conversations. And probably the best way to prepare for these conversations is to, uh, to ask these questions of your, of your own church family. You can ask each other, what does Jesus mean to you? Why are you are a Christian? What difference does Jesus make to your life? Why do you go to church? Uh, practice with each other. And you'll probably find that as you wrestle with these questions with each other, well, then the Lord Jesus will become clearer and more beautiful to you as well. But there are many other ways you can ask and answer these questions for yourself first. You can prepare for these kind of conversations in our small groups, we are doing the Ripple Effect course. What a great way that is to prepare yourself for these conversations. But look, there are heaps of great books or podcasts that will challenge and clarify and help you defend your faith. You can prepare for these conversations. But these kinds of conversations will not happen unless you're living a life worth questioning. If you're living a life worth questioning, you won't have to shoehorn Jesus into your conversations uh, because people will just be curious about Jesus and about how you are living. And they'll ask you. And this is what Paul is talking about in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Verse 5, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Well, are you living a life worth questioning and being wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity? Do people at work, do your neighbours even know that you are a Christian? Well, that could be a good place to start. Let them know that you're, you're a Christian and for the curious, answers, uh, questions will follow. Let's live lives worth questioning. But neither Paul nor Peter really tell us what to say in response to those questions, do they? They don't give us content of what to say, but they do tell us the manner in which we should speak. And so this is point two, answers worth hearing. Lives worth questioning, now answers worth hearing. Because say your friend has noticed that you live a life and they have questions about your life and they ask, why do you go to church? Well, how are you going to answer that kind of question? How do you offer them an answer worth hearing? Who, now, we all love a, a mic drop moment, isn't it? Where you, boom, you win the conversation and you answer them and they've got no response to you and you can walk out of there victorious. Yeah, I love that. But that's not how to have a normal conversation about Jesus, is it? That's not how to have a normal conversation, just in general. <laughs> you might win the argument, but you'll probably lose the person. So how might we offer answers worth hearing? Well, Paul in Colossians tells us to speak graciously and uh, the Apostle Peter in his letter tells us to speak with gentleness and with respect. This is how you offer answers worth hearing. Speak 
graciously, speak gently, and speak respectfully. And we'll look at each of those in turn. So first, gracious speech. And uh, this is Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So whatever you say to your friend or your neighbour or your colleague, they should never be put off by the way you speak. Instead, you should win people over by the way you speak. Gracious speech is winsome, it is kind, it is attractive. And so you might even paraphrase Paul here by saying, always be charming. And uh, John Dixon, in, in his book, in this book, he says that this means that the generosity of God and his grace to us must shape the character of our conversations as we also show grace to others. We are to season our words with graciousness like you season your dinner with salt. And I think we know, don't we, that when people are harsh in their speech, we tend to like them less and we also tend to not listen to what they say. And, well, as Australians, we're not, re- we're not very practised at gracious speech in general, are we? We like to tear down tall poppies. We bag out our government all the time. And so gracious speech, I think, stands out. Gracious speech. It stands out. And so does gentle speech. This is the second one, gentle speech. And this is what uh, the, uh, the Apostle Peter says at the end of verse 15, 1 Peter 3, end of verse 15, do this with gentleness. Gentleness is how Jesus describes his own heart. In Matthew chapter 11, I am gentle and lowly in heart, says Jesus. And gentleness is one of the fruit of the Spirit that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians. As the Spirit works in our hearts, what does he produce? Gentleness. Who is the most gentle person you know? The most gentle person? When you're speaking about Jesus in normal conversation, channel them. And uh, you'll speak, but you you won't come across as self-important. And there'll be no mansplaining. And you won't seek to crush your opponent. But you'll be able to speak gently and uh, hopefully clearly about the hope of the gospel. Uh, Gracious speech, gentle speech. And uh, when you're gentle, you'll also be respectful. So respectful speech. This is the last word of uh, 1 Peter 3.15. Do this with gentleness and respect. And again, we, we Aussies are not very good at speaking respectfully or reverently about people, are we? In America, they have Mr. President. Here, we've got Albo. If we speak gently and respectfully in our normal conversations about Jesus, my bet is that we will stand out from our culture. And my bet is that people will be more interested in what we have to say and will be more interested in speaking with us about Jesus. So gracious speech, gentle speech, respectful speech. And what John said, what our pastor John said when he preached on this a few months ago was our manner must match our message. Our manner must match our message. And uh, that's not just John's rule, that's an ancient rule for communication. We've known this for a long, long time. Because if I tell you that Jesus loves you, but I do so in a way that says, but I hate you, well then the message of love becomes a lot less plausible, doesn't it? 
So maybe the Australian way of saying this is, don't be a jerk. You'll offer answers worth hearing if you're not a jerk about it. And for the most part, I have to say, we're pretty good at not being jerks. So maybe we could say that if you want to have an effective and normal conversation about Jesus, don't overthink it. Just spend time with your friends and speak about the things you're passionate about. And if that's Jesus, speak about Jesus. And if that's church, speak about church. Speak about faith, hope. Speak about love. Speak about grace. And you'll be having perfectly normal conversations about Jesus in no time. And the goal of these conversations, the goal of these conversations, it's not to argue someone into the kingdom, is it? Because that's not how it works, but also that's how you burn friendships. Now, I think the goal of normal conversations about Jesus, it is to hold Jesus out to people. And it's to say, hey, this is pretty normal, actually. And it's pretty good. Have you met Jesus? He's actually a pretty great guy. And I find him pretty interesting. And if you'd like to know more about him, well, I'd always love to talk. And the good news is that God, by his spirit, blesses our normal conversations about his son. So the the pressure is off you. This is the work of the Lord. So let's rest in his grace, the grace of our good and powerful God who changes people's hearts. We can rest in his grace as we calmly and confidently, graciously, gently and respectfully speak about the Lord Jesus in our normal conversations. Let me pray for us and ask that God might work through those conversations. Loving Father, please give us a great confidence in your grace to us in Christ so that we might be confident to talk about Jesus with our friends and family. Please give us many conversations. Please bless those conversations. Please give us the right words to graciously, gently and respectfully answer any question that gets posed to us. And may we confidently hold Jesus out to people so that they might meet him and be brought with us into his kingdom. Amen. Well, as we seek to leave...